वक्रतुंड महाकाय सूर्यकोटिश्रभा निर्विघ्न कुर मे देशु सर्वदा ओं नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओं नमो भगवते रुद्रा ओं नमो भगवते श्री स्वामीनारायणा ओं ध्यानमूल गुरोर्मूर्ति मंत्रमूल गुरोर्वाक्यम पूजामूल गुरोर्पद मोक्षमूल गुरोर्कृपा सर्वंगलमंगल्ये शिवे सर्वाधसाधिके शरण्ये त्र्यंबके देवी नारायणी नमोस्तुते ओम श्री गुरुभ्यो नमः श्री गुरुस्तोत्र अखंडमंगलाकार व्याप्त येन चराचर तत्पम दर्शित येन तस्म श्रीगुरव नम अज्ञानतिरांद ज्ञानाजनशलाकया चक्षुर मिलित तस्म श्रीगुरव नम गुर्ब्रह्मा गुर्विष्णु गुरुर्देव महेश्वर गुरुरव परम ब्रह्म तस्म श्रीगुरव नम श्रीगुरुभ्यो नम Welcome to Daily Satsang. We are continuing our contemplation and exploration on the Vishnu Tattva for several days at least. And this is with regards to the existence of Paramatma, Bhagwan Vishnu, the sustainer of the cosmos. Uh, there is a sustaining capacity. We can see sustenance and we can see the importance of sustenance that when creation exists creation needs to be sustained so that the different jivatmas can get the experiences that they need to get of sukh and dukh in the sansar so the sansar is a creation it is the it is the creative power that has created this world and then the sustenance of it the experience of it now there's quite a bit to be said about this also that the experience of the sansar is needed for the jivatma to express its attachment to maya because the whole game is of maya gemaya in one sense is everything is the thing to understand why the sansar exists people say why does god, god if god exists why he created this this world this world exists to gain experience of the expression of maya if it is not expressed there's no way to transcend maya because according to the rishis and the sages what they have discovered is that there is a an infinite dormant field of of mahamaya that is just holding infinite souls in infinite jiva there's no experience it's like when we're in deep sleep we don't have any experience of anything we don't know who we are there's no experience of any in fact you could say it's an experience of nothingness but in the case of mahamaya there's just it's like a void essentially but within that there is this dormant these dormant jivas exist there 
and they have no anubhav of any kind, no experience of any kind. So it's interesting, this is a bit difficult to explain. One might ask, why does that exist that way? You know, one might ask, why even Maya exists? Why does Maya exist? Why does Mahamaya exist? Why does, why does Ishwara, Paramatma exist? Why is there this separation between the Jivatma and the Paramatma? If, so, in, like in Advaita Vedanta, what you would say is that there is only the one that manifests as the many. So, it depends on the realization of the Rishi and on that basis they have described. Just, just as we can see that God is dreaming, like Vishnu is in sleep and he's like dreaming, dreaming the world. So that could also mean that we are the dreamer of this world. So th this is quite me metaphysical, it, or it could be. But the fact of the matter, if we bring it to our level, we have experience every kind of experience through the body and the senses, body, senses, mind. That experience that we have is possible because of the presence of Sri Vishnu or by the will of Vishnu. The sustaining power of those experiences, like right now Sachin is talking, there, is a, there are two computers, there are there's this room there I can throw my senses, I can have my senses are active. I am in the realm of past, present, future. I, you know, I have a past in my mind, there's a future in the, there. All of that. All of this power that is within, all of the capacity we have, that has been given by the Paramatma through the genetic code and through the formation of the body, so that the Jivatma can experience the expression of Maya. And in the expression of Maya, what do we find? We find, oh, this is my mother, this is my father, the mother-child relationship, the bond, and many, many reactions are there, many psychological phenomena are present, attachment processes develop. Then the child grows up, the child is born helpless, grows up, grows up, grows up, is conditioned, that is another type of maya. All of that is needed, by the way. All of that is needed. And then eventually the brain develops further. An understanding develops about the nature of maya. And from this understanding and intellect and all, one is then able to understand the principles of moksha. The principles of liberation. To be liberated from maya, maya has to express itself. It expresses itself in our world. This is my mother. Even the thought that this is my mother, this is my father, it is total ignorance. There's no truth to it actually. I mean, truth relatively there is. But for the Atma point of view, there's no truth to that. Atma doesn't have any mother or father. The Atma is a spiritual substance. It's a spark. And because of its karmic reactions, it is, it is going through the cycles of birth and death with infinite numbers of mothers and fathers. What, is, what an idea that is, a shocking idea. You know, the, the actual ideas in the Sanatana Dharma are so intense that, that someone might say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, I can't, I don't know what to do with that infinite number of mothers and fathers we've had. And we've also be, be, uh, gone through this so many times. We've been parents and we've been everything. 
there is an incident of this actually in the Srimad Bhagavatam. When Shukdev ji was born, Shukdev ji was born to Devhuti and he was in the Garba, in the womb for like 12 years. That's what they say. You know, but maybe it's an exaggeration, probably, you know, but whatever it was, he had Atmagnan. He had realization of the Atma when he was in the womb, actually. So he realized that there's no point in coming into this sansar. But he had to come out. And once he came out, his father, who's Vedivasji, said to him, Oh, his father, even who's an enlightened sage, still had that feeling, Oh, this is my son. Immediately that Shukdevji said, Whose son are you talking about? I have been your father hundreds of times, you've been my father hundreds of times. Immediately, it's in the Srimad Bhagavatam. See, we think this is my father, this is my son, but that is just a chain in a cycle. It has gone back and forth, back and forth, many, many, many times. We don't realize. This is what Srimad Bhagavatam says. So Shukdev Ji, he said, whose father are you talking about? Whose mother? He's born with the realization of the Atma. When we realize the Atma Tattva, that is actually the goal of the expression of the Mahamaya. Why these experiences exist? These experiences exist for the primary reason to see their limitation, to see the bondage aspect of Mahamaya, and then by perceiving the bondage aspect, to perceive with divine vision through Guru Krupa, the Vishnu Tattva that is existing, it is hidden inside the Mahamaya. Vishnu Tattva is within Mahamaya, but it's hidden within it to break through the layer of that and see the Paramatma. That is our goal. So the Vishnu Sahasranam that we have been looking at, just the very first verse only, every single name of Sri Vishnu Bhagavan is a piercing through, through Maya, piercing through the covers of Raga and Dvesha, Aham and Mamatva, of, of attachments and reactions, pulling back and forth. Look at what's happening in this world. People are running after property, possessions, they're hurting each other. Continuously this is going on. They're running after, after the things of this material world, thinking that they are permanent. Because that, that, that Jivatma is so... Survival is based on that. Food, water, clothing, shelter, etc. Yes, to some extent we do need that. We don't have a choice. But there is a state beyond all attachment where one lives as a liberated being belonging to nobody and belonging to everybody. That is called Paramansa. And then those who are devotees, like in the Srimad Bhagavatam, it is stated by the Vaishnavas, or the Vaishnavas feel many times, that they don't even want to be Paramansas. They only want to be in love with Sri Krishna. That's it. Nothing else. Like the gopis are in tremendous love with Sri Krishna. They're not inter interested about the Atma. They don't even want to... They're not interested in... Krishna as even God. They want to just play with him and they want to dance with him and they want to make him a friend and a lover and all that kind of thing. Even Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings are along these lines. Yes, they, they already have that Paramansa state, but they even ignore that because, because they, don't, they want to only be in divine communion, divine love. 
दिव्य प्रेम जिसको कहते सो दैट इज द प्रोग्रेशन वन मे प्रोग्रेस टू द लेवल ऑफ द आत्मा the way the, all these names just in these nine names in the very first verse there are nine specific names of shri vishnu vishvam vishnu vashatkaro bhuta bhavya bhavat prabhu right so these nine names are all descriptions of the parmatma that resides everywhere so that is a stage of realization that one can see god everywhere like numbers the sixth one one who supports and sustains and governs the universe pure existence is the seventh one the essence of all being bhutatma see bhuta bhavana one who originates and develops all the elements that's the expression of mahamaya so this is a stage of realization to see the glory of paramatma in the creation now this is a perception and this is a worship you know so vishnu sahasram these are the names so when we connect this way then in this connection we are totally free nobody belongs to us and everybody belongs to us sounds contradictory it is not if i say nobody belongs to me that means that no body no particular form is just mine particular small circle of people that our mind is stuck in functionally yes in the functional world in the way this world is working we have our family we have job we have computers we have iphones we have this we have that that's all that's okay we, and that is a relative level that has to be maintained so there's reality to that extent also but it's relative but but beyond the relative is this piercing vision to see beyond the relative into the absolute into the vishnu tatva that piercing ability is the guru tatva active in us as we have been saying that is what we want to activate the ability to pierce through the distortion of maya or the distortion created inside that now that that vision to pierce through is where the mind and its power have become inundated inundated meaning totally consumed by satsanga their tot it the mind and its power has been absorbed into divine contemplation divya chintan divya bhakti divya bhav prabhu ji tum chandan hum pani this idea this 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 absorption like a, like the chakor pakshi that looks at the at this moon this chakor pakshi is a particular kind of a bird that keeps looking at the moon the whole night doesn't move away from that prabhu ji tum chandan hum chakora like this continuous attention on parmatma and when that happens my god that is the most extraordinary thing in our life there is no greater achievement जीवन जीवन का लाभ जो हम कहते हैं जीवन का लाभ यही है यही स्थिति और जब यह स्थिति प्राप्त होती है उसमें संपूर्ण महामाया से हम मुक्त हो सकते वी गेट आउट ऑफ द महामाया बाय द ग्रेस ऑफ गॉड बिकॉज वी आर सीइंग वी वांट टू टच द परमात्मा बियॉन्ड द फ्लक्स ऑफ द इफर्मल मटेरियल वर्ल्ड द फ्लक्स विल एग्जिस्ट द बॉडी विल कम बॉडी विल गो वन डे 
because for a liberated being doesn't consider himself the body anyway body is a body is a mechanism body is a process body is a is a is a vehicle and it can go anytime but it, it needs to be maintained carefully to live in the relative world with the people in the relative world at the same time not get caught in the relative world and keep attention that and develop that divine vision by extracting what we need from the relative world and build the bridge, an energetic bridge, back into the Vishnu Tattva. I hope that point is clear. It's like the lotus analogy. You know the lotus flower that blossoms in the mud? Its root is in the mud. This sansar is the mud. We're not criticizing the sansar. Criticizing the sansar is not going to help anybody. The sansar is as it is. That is the expression of Maya. You cannot expect anything else from this sansar. But the people coming into the sansar are born in ignorance. So how do you expect them to be enlightened? We should, the only person we need to have expectation of enlightenment is ourselves. The moment Sachin says, oh, this person, that person, this person should be enlightened, I'm lost. In Swaminarayan Sampradaya, there's a Gunatitanan Swami, and he mentioned, he said in one of his talks beautifully in Gujarati, what does that mean? He says, keep your vision, drashti, in, on your upliftment and spiritual realization. You do not worry about anybody else. Drashti barabaraki means that you keep your attention completely on your own development. Even as Sachin is talking right now, it is only for my development. If others are benefited, that is the will of God. Sachin has nothing to do with that. And if I start taking responsibility, oh, I taught somebody something, I did something, the I comes into the picture, I is going to destroy everything in that situation. There's no, that's not spirituality. That's the jiva with its egotistical game. That, is, that can play the game even in, in spiritual endeavors. It's already playing it in the material world. And see, <coughs> the biggest challenge spiritual aspirants have is to be able to live with the multitude of people in the material world, recognize the way that they are bound. And, and, and because we are trying to get unbound, but those who are bound will keep pulling others into that bondage. Particularly, they will try to pull you back into the bondage because, because, they, uh, because that is the way Mahamaya tests the mumukshu who is trying to be liberated. If you try to get liberated, there will be many forces that will try to drag you down. I've gone through it myself on God knows how many occasions. It is unbelievable the amount of stuff that happens to prevent you from getting liberated. It is truly remarkable and unbelievable how intense that, that, that happens. But if one has taken the shelter of God, what Sri Krishna Bhagwan says, if you come to me, you know, I will completely protect you, yoga, kshema, vaham, In my life, I have experienced this fact. The Bhagavad Gita, for me, is not an idea. It is my own experience. And this is a fact. That this is what happens. When you go to God and take His shelter, He is going to give you yoga, kshema. So many things may get destroyed, but the path towards that spiritual awakening, that archi marg, that divya marg, 
that is what needs to open and Bhagwan, by his grace gives you yoga kshema vahamyam he creates the yogic circumstances gives gives the the mumukshu everything that is needed to continue that journey god himself gives the mumukshu that this is the gita's promise and in my life i have experienced that 100% that this is true because if you if in such an instance just sharing sometimes i'll share something not because of any ego just to highlight certain experiences i just believe or in my mind, there is a deep belief that if someone genuinely becomes a mumukshu, in any tradition, any religion, in any way, says, I want liberation from ignorance and true vision. And if we want that, and once we begin to even want that, things change. Things change around us. The right people come around us to help us along that path. Amazing thing. And then whatever based on our desire, that is the way our experiences change. So that is the most amazing thing. So when we say Guru Brahma, Guru Vishnu, Guru Deva Maheshwara, Guru Vishnu in the sense that the embodied sages, they are holding the technology of Brahma Vidya. They're holding that technology in their body, in their mind, in the manifested sense. And the, and the scriptures are also holding that technology. That technology comes into us. Actually, that technology is within us. It awakens from within us. Now, that awakening from within us is, where, is, is what is talked about here. So, in another way to think about these first nine names of Bhagwan Vishnu in the Vishnu Sahasranam is that this is a state of perception that we see God in this way. When you are liberated, so so the, here's the beauty of some of, this, of these scriptures. They show the nature of bondage. They show the nature of liberation, and they also show how to go from from bondage to liberation. Actually, each of these nine and all the other ones that will come afterwards do all three. In one sense, that's just the first word, Vishwam, the all the universe. We can see the the bondages in the universe, but we can also see Bhagwan Vishnu is playing in the universe. So that is a liberated state. That everything is Vishnu, that is a liberate. And then to go from the bondage to the liberation is also hidden or implied in the very first word in, in all the other ones. That is a process to change one's vision from the material universe, to see the same material universe as a divine Leela, as a play of God, as a manifestation of God, as, a, as God pervading everywhere. The same thing is now seen in a totally different light because of the awakening within. So every scripture is talking about bondage. What is the nature of bondage? Bandhan ka swarup kya hai? Mukti ka swarup kya hai? Mukta stiti ka swarup kya hai? Bhagavad Gita also. <coughs> Srimad Bhagavatam also. Every scripture, Yoga Vashisht, etc. Vivek Chudamani. <coughs> the description of the liberated state. Description of the bound state. And then the Guru is where Guru Tattva act becomes active from bondage to moksha. That Guru Tattva is the inner realization. It's the scriptural scriptures opening from within. You know how we open a book, right? If you take a Bhagavad Gita, you open the book and you start reading verses. That's the beginning. That's an external Bhagavad Gita. There's another Bhagavad Gita that is inside of us. We need to open that one. There's another Vishnu Sahasranam inside of us. That needs to open. So the external stotras, mantras, sadhanas, gurus, whatever is there, that 
<clears throat> that is always within. So the external promotes the internal opening. And as the internal opening occurs, my God, that's what verse number three is. And we'll talk about that tomorrow. These are the different, different rituals that are done. You know, so the different rituals that are done are what is shown here. You know, so when we say Om Aim Rim Klim Chamundai Viche Swaha, right? Or we say Om Aim Rim Klim Chamundai Viche Phat Swaha. So all these sacrificial verses that are uttered to do the different yagnas, uh, that are uttered in the yagnas, those verses are coming from God through the Vedic tradition, through the Vedas. Those verses are also Bhagavan Vishnu. Those because they sustain the experience and they clear up the disturbance within the experience. Like I mentioned about family life yesterday, if someone does proper sadhana, their family is going to be affected. Now, how to what extent that varies. That's because the power of each mantra impacts the individual and in that power the sustenance capacity of Bhagwan Vishnu is opened up further so that the distortions and disturbances for, of those around us connected to us dissipate. So the sustenance is the key. This, life doesn't exist just so we die. Life exists so we can live but we can live in the fullness and glory of, of, of the universe without agitation, distortion, disturbance, negativity and all that. We want to clear all that out so we can actually even experience this material world in its, in its glory. But to do that, one has to have a healthy body, healthy mind, good relation, good money, good, good, um, good um, um, uh, food, uh, pro uh, uh, you know, uh, proper physiology of the body. So much is required so that one can experience the material world. Otherwise, otherwise, we only experience some limited aspect of the material world. But if you want to experience it much more fully, you have to have a fun, fun, good body. You have to have more financial power to experience more of the material world. That's a fact. I mean, that's just, an, that's just the way the material world is created. So that's why the, the verse number three here, Vashatkara, it refers to the Vedic mantras that, will be, that are used to purify and and, and develop our experiences in the material world. Obviously, if, if, if a child is there, has to go to school, has to make good grades, has to do... It's a competitive world. Because it is, a, it is, it is an expression of Maya. And, and that is, and by just as a corollary, no political system is perfect. Because human beings are imperfect. You can have tried to... Be, communism failed. Even capitalism is not the best successful. To some extent, it's successful. There's still poverty. There's so many problems. You know, because the human nature is, is not evolved. And, that, and this is a place to evolve. So keeping all of those ideas in mind, let me just make one final point here before we get into verse number three tomorrow, certainly. That all of life is a sacrifice for those who are evolved. You know, gnan yagna, yog yagna. It is it is a sacrifice for, for the others of God, for the others, for other people. And in that in that sacrifice, there is joy. We do for you see, we have our own desires, things that we want in our own realm. We have to have them. 
but it is on that basis we can move ahead. Like I'm using this computer. I have to have the sense this is my computer. I cannot just have somebody walk in here and take my computer. That's not spirituality. That's foolishness. Because I have to live in the relative world to live in a relative way at the same time do what I can to evolve myself and encourage others if they would like, like to do so. The, so, so <clears throat> all of that is the great psycho-spiritual technology hidden within these verses. And that's the fact. Alright, so let's stop here for today. We'll continue tomorrow with the third verse in much more depth on Vashat Gara. And then we'll get to, uh, get to the nine. I'd like to complete the first nine names for the Vishnu Tattva. That'll be enough, you know, for, the, for that verse. And then we'll get to Shiv Tattva. That's a whole different ball game, folks. Bhagwan Shiv. They're one. Vishnu, Shiva and Vishnu are one. They're together. But the approach is very different. The approach is, uh, you know, it's almost like anything goes. Like that, literally, that kind of... Because Bhagwan Shiv, you know, he gives Vardhan to everybody. And then he has to deal with that also himself. Because he, that is a, that is a whole different ballgame. And in that, the thing about that is everybody is welcome in that. I mean, even in this, everybody is welcome. But there's more systematic way in, in, in the Vishnu Upasana. But in the Shiva Upasana, I mean, there are ghosts involved. There are, you know, there are Bhairavs involved. There, 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 are, there are violent activities going on. And there are the most extraordinary Nirgun activities going on. A to Z that is going on in the sansar is, is occurring within the Shiva Tattva. So we'll talk about what the connection is between Shiva and Vishnu and, 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 and what that actual link is and how they are one because they are only one. It's in the Omkar but they are expressions of the one in three different aspects. So we'll get to Shiva um, um, later on uh, after we complete all of these nine names here uh, because that is a most phenomenal subject actually. So we'll get to that later on. All right.